When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's Homestand Sports, we talk Messi and the Toronto Blue Jays. No, the two and two, not together. Uh, I'm bringing on Sarah Peraria, our Spanish football expert from Room 442, to talk about Messi and what the hell is he doing? No, seriously, like, what is he doing? Rumors are coming out saying that he might be leaving Inter-Miami on loan in January, potentially going maybe back to Barcelona, maybe to Saudi Arabia, maybe back to Argentina to play with his boyhood club, Newell's Old Boys. But there's also rumors surrounding that that those rumors aren't true. So we don't really know what's happening with Messi. So I decided that me and Sarah Peraria will plan the rest of Messi's career. What's he going to do in January? What's he going to do after his contract ends with Inter-Miami? And will he play the 2026 World Cup. We'll talk about that. And there will be some tears. For whatever reason, she started crying. And I think I started crying too. But I'm not sure. I'm going to have to watch that one back. So stay tuned for that. On the Blue Jays side, I got the Zoobs. Andrew Zuber coming on. He's the host of the Less Than Jays podcast. Along with Sean McCormick, our head of production here at Homestand Sports. We're going to talk about the Jays and what's going on. Mark Shapiro. The president of the Blue Jays had his press conference today, end of season press conference, and he had some things to say. He also mentioned that Ross Atkins, the general manager, will be staying on. John Schneider will be staying on as well, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Are those the right decisions for this team moving forward? I don't think so. The Zoops, he's kind of on the fence, but you got to stay tuned for his take. He went in on the Blue Jays, especially their offense and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. kind of sleeping at the wheel during the postseason, not performing when he really needed to be. So we're going to talk about that among a bunch of other things surrounding the Toronto Blue Jays. So please stay tuned for all of that. This is Homestand Sports. I'm Albert Vartanian. Okay, so we're fresh off this uh, Mark Shapiro press conference for the Blue Jays. Mark Shapiro, in case you don't know, is the president of the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, he had some things to say. Andrew Zoobs, the Zoobs, joining us. Um, one of the things he did say was that Ross Atkins will be returning. So my first question to you is, uh, is Shapiro making the right decision by bringing Ross Atkins back as general manager of the Blue Jays? In general, I do think so. I think you'd be hard-pressed. Maybe your mileage, now that the Diamondbacks are an, an LCS team, uh, your mileage may vary on the, the Moreno-Varsho trade. But other than that, like I'm pretty hard-pressed to think on things that are definite losses. The one-year contracts they've handed out have been good. The pitching signings have been good. There haven't been a lot of missteps. I think what we're talking about when we talk about the issues that people have with Ross Atkins and people have with what happened in the playoffs is there seems to be a disconnect between the information that they're getting at the front office level and how it's getting to the players. That seems to be the issue. So if your if your problem is that he's not the greatest communicator of all time, I can see that as a as a um, reason to be on the team. He he should be out the door. But in terms of like the moves that are made and the, the things that have been done, um, I think a lot of good has been done. And the track record, he, he said track record speaks for itself. Um, and I wouldn't go that far, but I would go as far as to say, like, there's a lot of things that, you know, free agents have come here, free agents have signed in Toronto, which they didn't used to do, big name ones, top of the market guys, there's been a lot of sort of um, things that you don't expect to happen that have happened. So I'm okay with it. I think 
it's certainly not a long-term commitment. I'd be looking at if the same thing happened next year, you're probably looking at jobs on the line, but I wasn't too surprised by that. And I, I would say, unless you had somebody that you knew was about to step in and take the job, um, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody uh, with the track record and, and qualifications of, of Ross Atkins at this point. Uh, Sean, so Shapiro clearly does have some reservations about Atkins. He did say Ross needs to get better, but he's done a good job. Yeah. So what, what does that mean for, for Atkins moving forward? Is it a short leash? Does he just oh. believe in him wholeheartedly? I'm, I'm coming in fired up today, man. Like there is, like, like Zub said, there is no accountability and the lack of communication, what seems to be from the top down, from the, you know, from Shapiro to Atkins to Schneider to the players. Like it all seems to be messed up and jumbled. You sat there, like Shapiro sat there in that press conference and just deflected. Just no answer, no answer. Like, I don't know. And and like and then Atkins throws Schneider under the bus and Schneider like takes it on the chin and the players come out to the media and say it was a front office decision pulling Barrios like these guys are all on a short leash heading into next year and they all should be like this like great they've made the playoffs the last few years you don't have any wins and that's what counts right so they're all on a short leash um, and 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 Atkins is is part of the the problem because I think he should be the guy who is most accountable because if the players are saying that he was the one who like orchestrated that game plan, then he's got to own up to it. Like to have no accountability and to now like us as media and, and, and fans sitting here being mm. like, who's to blame? Who do we really like, you know what I mean? We we're just like dumbfounded. We don't know <laughs> what to expect from this front office next yeah. year. We don't know um what's next and as term uh, you know what i mean like who's coming back who might they sign like there's a ton of questions and and it's it's a it's a year for me left for these guys and i think if if the jays flame out and they and they fail to make a deep run next year get rid of all of them what's all of them get rid of shapiro get rid of atkins get rid of schneider get rid of all of them what about the players what about the guys who couldn't hit yeah no they're, they're part of the problem too but i mean you're locked into bigger contracts there and, and it just seems like Talent-wise, like you have Bo Bichette, you have Vladdy Guerrero. Vladdy had a bit of a down year, a bit didn't meet the expectations that were outset for him. Um, but the problem, I think, again, is the communication, the leadership, uh, and bringing in new leadership can help motivate these guys that have the mm. talent, can, you know, change their way of thinking. Maybe, you know, like we've talked about, again, it's not a big deal, but maybe Vladdy's not as buddy-buddy with everybody <laughs> who who's, who's puts his arm around everybody on first base. Um, I'm not saying that's a huge problem, but I'm just saying, like, a culture change needs to happen in this organization, and it starts at the top for me. Right. But listen, you know, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate yeah. a little bit. Still 89 wins, and Shapiro did make mention, too. There's a couple other teams with massive payrolls. Didn't even make the playoffs. The Mets, the Padres, they won 89 times. They made the wild card. Obviously, no wins. And uh, so, I mean, if you're looking at it that way, it's kind of glass half full, if you want to look at it like that. But he also said, and I found this funny, Zoobs, he goes, the body of work to me, and you mentioned this, for Ross Atkins is undeniable. I mean, the guy was hired in 2015. They've won a single playoff series, which goes back to the 2016 ALDS. To me, that's not undeniable. That's, you know, you can question some of this, the, the decisions he's made, bringing in some good pitching, uh, obviously showing up the defense in the outfield, a lot of these things that you mentioned. But, I mean, it all comes down to winning right and that's just something that hasn't been done under this atkins era yes and no right right it, it, by the same token you'd be like well the, the orioles didn't really win this year when they did right it's it's sort of like but aren't I the expectations quickly... different though between the orioles and the jays 
Are they? Yeah, I suppose they are, and I think they should be. And I'm, I'm somebody that I am in, inclined to agree with you. I think that, you know, when are we supposed to hold them to the fire for not ever competing for the division? Forget winning the division. They haven't competed for the division. Um, I guess it depends on how you interpret the word body of work, right? Because mm. I think, again, you go case by case, player acquisition-wise, there are very few warts to pick from. There's some stuff on the 2020 team, your Tanner Roarks, your the bullpen that the 2021 team started the season with that probably we look back now two years later that 2021 team was probably the most talented team they put on the field. But that was a team built on some great player acquisition. Robbie Ray, Marcus Simeon, uh, Taiwan Walker. They, they, they did the things they needed to do to add um, some important guys in important spots. It, it's, it's an it's interesting case study, right? Because I think we very quickly um, forget that 90 plus wins is not something that, that is even used to in this in this ground 90 the 90 uh, pardon me the, the 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 90 plus wins in 2015 and and the the, the great 2016 uh which we we think of fondly it's like 2016 was a lot closer to 2023 than it was in 2020 2015 that was a very frustrating team that was very similar to the team we just watched um you know, it does feel like a step back this year. It was a very trying, difficult slog of a season. But I think when you talk about track record, I think you're talking about the, the player acquisition successes and, and what you mentioned there, like they were top of the... I know Paul DeYoung doesn't um, move the needle, but they because they jumped on Jordan Hicks early and they were on the top of the market for relievers and they were top of the market when they went and got George Springer and they were near the top of the market when they went and got Jin Ryu and they made really smart bets on Gosman and a really smart bet on Bassett and really smart bet on Kiermaier and a really smart bet on Belt and a really smart bet on Semyon. There's a lot of these really smart bets that they made. Um, in, in terms of that track record, very positive. In terms of results in the playoffs, obviously very negative. You're, you're now on, I think, what, a seven-game losing streak, uh, 0 for 6 um, in the, we'll call it the modern current era, with Vladdy and Bo core. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to... to to Sean's point about everybody being on the way out, like the, the the player core is on the way out anyway. These guys are not, it's almost over. Like the Vladdy and Bo window is two more years. These guys are, are coming up on extensions. And I'm not, for one, jumping at the idea of giving Vladimir Guerrero Jr. $300, $300 million right now. What has he done to earn that? Basically nothing. Um, it, the, it, it's it's The next year is a very huge evaluation year for the entire organization, top to bottom. It's going to have to be real results. It's not going to be... You know, I think we saw with this fan base and with this media as well, to your point, like the expectation has changed. 90 wins in a, in a wild card is no longer the goal. It's no longer acceptable. And I think that's probably healthy and good, but it also is going to put some real pressure in a really tough spot this offseason because it's, it's not an especially lucrative um, free agent class. The, the free agents to look at in this class are former Blue Jays. That's it. It's like the guys who were on the team this year and the guys who were on the team last year are the go-for free agents this year. It's not... Um, the most sought after. It'll be a matter of do they want to have four managers uh, in this in this run with these guys. Um, it, hilariously, I almost think you could say Mark Shapiro has done a very good job being president of the team. He's somebody that you have to look sort of above and beyond the the player movement. Um, the the team's brand, as boring as this is to talk about, is undoubtedly better than it's ever been. The the stadium. Somebody's finally changed the stadium. Somebody's finally changed a bunch of the stuff that we thought and we were told for years had no way of changing. They're finally able to get the payroll up in the 200 millions. Like you say what you want about the 
Anthopolis years, it was always like, ah, oh, we can't afford to do it. There hasn't been any of that under these guys. It hasn't come up once that they can't afford to do something. They renovated the stadium. They bolstered the payroll. So I think Shapiro's done a pretty good job. I think it's Atkins is the one, um, if you're going to be critical, that I think you can pick at. But I think you can pick at both sides of it. And you don't want to do the, hey, that's baseball and baseball's random. But um, it's tough business and it's results business. And, and if they come up short, I, I'm inclined to agree. If they do come up short, um, there is reason at that point next year to say, uh, thanks, it's been fun, but good luck with your next job. Yeah, Shapiro also said no rebuild next season, in case anyone was actually wondering if yeah, that was going to be sense. the case, yeah, uh, which kind of made no sense, sense to me. Uh, a lot of, you know, obviously fingers being pointed at different people. A lot of that's going on right now with the Blue Jays. But I feel like the offense, the hitters, aren't taking enough of the blame. Am I wrong by saying yeah, that? Right. I mean, all the focus right now, Zubes and Sean, like, is on Barrios. In that decision, yeah, which, mm-hmm. in my opinion, didn't lose in the game. If he stayed in, I mean, things could have happened. You, you never know. You can't predict these things. But it really should be on the bats. I mean, when your top three guys in the playoffs, who was it? It was Springer, it was Belt, and Vladimir Guerrero go three for 24. I mean, that's a huge issue. Your pitching is fine. Your defense is fine. But it's the guys that you might have to end up paying, like Zub was just saying, who aren't performing. I feel like they need to, to, to hear you know, the brunt of the blame. Yeah, no, you're right. You're definitely right. It's just the accountability for them isn't like as much to the forefront because they're not talking to the media right now. They're sort of off into the shadows, right? Whereas the highlight right now is that what Atkins was saying last week, what Schneider said last week, and now what Shapiro said today. Um, so that's what the media is going to focus on. But the this team as a whole, like it's going to look a lot different next year, how it's going to look. I'm not sure because, like as Zub said, the free agent class isn't fantastic. Can they bring in and afford somebody like a Cody Bellinger, who they were linked to last year? I'm not sure. There's a guy named Shohei Otani. I'm just saying. <laughs> just yeah. saying. I mean, yeah, you I... want to make the fan base happy after that? Uh, maybe go yeah, ahead. Well, I like... can't wait. I can't wait for the casuals to uh, <laughs> to have Shohei Otani sign. And he's a great two-way player, right? It's like, <laughs> actually, he's just de-aging this year. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, hey, I'll take it. The two-way I'll take pipeline. It. To platoon DH uh, would be very rapid. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, there's there's two big holes now. I mean, obviously, George Springer could play center field. He used to play center field for the Astros. Uh, now, like, Kiermaier could resign. Uh, I'd be I'd be okay with him resigning if it was around the same kind of money that he signed for this, this past season. Uh, and then you have a glaring hole at third base, too, right? So, if, unless Chapman resigns. And I'm not jumping at the bit to resign Chapman. Um but yeah, the offense, like like Zub says, it, this is the year where you have to decide: is Vladdy or Vladdy and Bo the people you want to build this team around? I mean, it looks like they were before this year. It was that it wasn't even a question. But now you're starting to like, it's starting to look like maybe Vladdy's not the guy that you thought he was. But he's gonna work work the off season in Florida, probably you know come back in better shape, and he's had a great training camp and all this, and <laughs> you know what I mean. And then like you're writing that spring training headlines already. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it's gonna what the, that's exactly what it's gonna say though, right? So uh, the offense does deserve a lot of the blame. They do, so man. in a roundabout way, that they do, and I'm just curious to see what it's gonna look like next year because now you've got the you know the pitching allegedly you know what i mean there's still a couple holes there that you have to re- you have to fill ryu you're gonna have to maybe see what jordan hicks is up to in the offseason i'd love for them to re-sign jordan hicks um and uh yeah i just it, it's tough for me to tell i'm comfortable with them building around bowen vladdy i thought that vladdy had a didn't meet expectations but i think that he is the player that we all think he he was prior to this year i think he still has that in him it's just you know what i mean 
can he can he do it? I think he can. It's I mean, gonna. I think it's gonna be an even tougher year in this division. Oh, for right? sure. You got the Yankees. You expect some sort of bounce back. Who knows who they're going to sign? You got the Red Sox, who are probably going to bounce back. The Orioles are, I feel like, only going to get better and learn from this 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 past postseason where they just got dumped. And you got the Tampa Bay Rays, and then the Jays trying to fought, figure out who they are. I have, yeah, I mean, I I I can't evaluate this team yet, and I'll have a question for Zoobs. Um, you can't evaluate this team until you see what they're going to do in the offseason. I think I think they have some key yeah. pieces, but until you see how they round it out, um, it's tough to say. But I agree with you what you're saying, uh, and Zoobs, I want to get your opinion. Uh, the Jays were the healthiest they were, like one of the healthiest teams of the league this off this past season. The Yankees were one of the unhealthiest with Jared Judge, their the All Star, you know, outfielder yeah, busting up his toe, busting up his toe and missing like a bunch of games, and and he still led the team in a whole bunch of categories. Um, do you foresee the the Jays, you know, making a deep run into the playoffs next year, or even even making the playoffs? Based off of what what it, what the the other teams in the AL East, the Orioles, the Yankees, the Rays, uh, it's going to be tight again. I think. Yeah, you make some great points. I think I think the the points they're made is like it, it's easy to sit here and we could sit here and and we it's very common refrain to talk about all the things that went wrong and and I think the underlying issue that I have similar to yours there, Sean. So many things went right, like a shocking amount of things went right. Like the things went went wrong is is Manoa completely imploded and nobody hit for power. The things that went right is like nobody got hurt for an extended period. Every single pitcher was healthy. It was ben- the, the the bullpen for the most part was completely solid. Tom about they didn't have an, a month where nobody could get outs out of the bullpen. Springer stayed healthy. Kiermaier stayed healthy. Uh, they called up a bunch of quad A guys, and Ernie Clement hit 360. And you know it, it, it's it's insane. David Schneider was the best hitter ever to play in his first 25 games. <laughs> he, he was. Spencer Horowitz had some cute, like there's a long list of things that went crazy right. There's some things that went very wrong. Everybody had a power outage. You're worried about Kirk now. You're worried about the makeup of Vlad. You're worried about all these different holes now. It's going to be very difficult. In, in addition, you can't bank on next year the Red Sox and Yankees are going to be 4-5. You just can't bank on that. You can't bank on Baltimore is not going to go out and spend a ton of money that they have a bunch of controllable players. I know they have a bit of a cheap ownership, but if they were ever going to do it, it's this year where they have all these cheap guys as their core and all they need to do is spend a little money to add pitching. It's going to be harder than ever. And this is why I keep coming back to like, man, if they had just taken the first half of 2021 to believe they were a contender, they were a damn good team. They scored 100 more runs in 2021 than they did this year. They let they allowed seven less runs in 2021 than they did this year, and they won three more games. They were wholly a better team uh, two seasons ago than they were this year. And and you, you hate to think that we could be looking back at this and going, that was the window being as open as it gets. You had your Vlad MVP season. You had everything trending the right direction, and they didn't capitalize on it. it, it it'll be a pretty sad story. And and you know to to cat back on some of the stuff you guys talked about like man vladimir guerrero jr and bo bichette are are lucky that the burritos thing happened we're talking about burritos 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 mm-hmm. burritos Vlad got picked off at second base Ugh. are you are you kidding me unacceptable like and, and and completely in i've been on this show a lot of times and we talk about the we talk about is vlad doing this and is vlad doing that and it's always the power numbers it's always the hitting the guy took an, a massive step back as a fielder he was a horrible base runner and, and this is when people talk about the concerns with Vlad. It's like, is he locked in? Is he paying attention? Is it so much to ask that your star player is paying attention in the eighth inning of a playoff game? Is that crazy? And when you look at what happened in the Twins series, and you don't want to be a reductive, but it's not like the Twins crushed. They hit two extra base hits. They both happened to be home runs. The, the Twins' two best players were Correa 
and Royce Lewis. And Royce Lewis hit two home runs, and Correa picked off Vlad. Correa threw out Bo at home, mm -hmm. and Correa hit the two run or hit the single in the second game. Their two best players made five plays that made the entire difference. Everything else was even. Good pitching and good defense on both sides. So not that it's that simple, but it is kind of that simple. You, you can't have your two guys, your two guys in that situation, both making brain-dead decisions on the on the base pads. And then the one extra base hit they get is game one in the eighth inning. Vlad hits an at leadoff double. And Bo has the worst at-bat of the season immediately following that. He has an unbelievably bad three-pitch strikeout. It's... It's it's all the problems in the season. This happens every year somehow with this freaking team. Every year, the entire season gets explained in two plays, and they did it again this year. It, it, it's the, it's the pickoff, and it's the it's the terrible bow at bat, and you're going, you know, you end up armchair cyclizing, right? You you you're like, you don't want to say it's an effort thing. You don't want to say it's a lock in because these guys are obviously very talented. But what else do we even have to point to at this point? There's no reason these guys shouldn't be getting slower. At age 25, it makes no sense. It's it's you look at the Manoa thing. He came into came into the season unbelievably bad shape, like crazy bad. Look look at the opening day highlights again, and then look at the year before from Alec Manoa. You're like this is this guy is unbelievable. I'm not even close. And if that's an accountability thing, if that's an organizational thing, if it's a little bit more of like we need to be a little bit tougher on these guys, I don't know what it is, and it's hard to make grand statements about it, but. It's concerning, and 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 you know you believe in the talent of the core, but the reality is, and this is the wake up call I think that Baltimore presents you is like a lot of teams are talented. There's a lot of good young players. Seattle was the same thing, right? It was like the Jays had this unbelievably great young core. It's like well, Seattle has Julio Rodriguez, and he played center and not freaking DH. Let's be honest here, <laughs> like he's not he's not he's a very good center fielder as well as a good hitter, not a deplorably bad first baseman. So. There's all the reason in the world to be fired up and to be to be saying like next year is a results year. It's a it's a get it done year because the clock is ticking, the door is closing, and you hate you would hate to be sitting here and be like Vlad was David Ortiz and we got the Twins version. Just a reminder to check in on your friends uh, who are dealing with this because we've talked to the Zoops for like two years, and I know he's not angry, but this is the probably the most fired up I've I've seen him on the on the on the show before. Um, Got to get fired up for these things. Think about for next season. Obviously, Vladdy's going to be there. Yeah. You're essentially banking on Vladdy to have a bounce back year after what we just saw. Yeah. It's concerning. No, it's definitely concerning. And, and I, 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 like I said, I'm banking on it. I think that he's got the talent. I think he's got the drive. Like Do I talked you? about. You think he has no, the drive? No, I think he has the drive. Again, we've seen him um, change his body over the last couple of years, right? Like get in better shape. But I think what Zoobs is talking about is, is the mental game focus be a competitor and i'm not saying he's not he's, all these guys are very competitive you're at the highest level of sport but like your game face like you got to be paying attention you got to be focused you got to be you know like can't be friends with everybody you gotta like, it's, it's a it's a it's a competitive sport where you're trying to win and it's not like it, it drives me you're talking insane. about the basics basically ba what you're and, and yeah and the base running the base running trying to do too much like this is the yeah. stuff that we're criticizing him for um and speaking of bouncing back uh, just quickly zoobs if it, like is there something more with the alec manoa story because like i i think there is whether he's injured or he likes to party too much or something but like that again and that comes down to what we're talking about with shapiro and atkins too like we didn't get much and and Shapiro said today like you can't sell your players out you can't be completely transparent but I think there's something there that we don't know about and and again I'm not 
I know I'm not insinuating anything, but no, maybe I'm a little bit, but I'm not insinuating that he's like out every night partying. But I think like there is a big difference from what he the, the shape he looked in at the beginning of the year. Just he's always a big sweaty guy, but like it was bad, man. And the pitch clock, the pitch clock doesn't account for the whole whole picture here. No, we we don't know, right? We don't yeah. know. I think what's instructive is he wasn't on the bench during the playoffs, right? Yeah. Danny Jansen, broken finger. He's there every day. Um, you know, uh, without without digging too much into things we don't know because we haven't heard both sides you yeah. know um service time is also a little bit at the heart of this right where he sees the year before he sees barrios be the worst pitcher in the league and he doesn't go down he doesn't have to change anything he sees kikuchi basically get to stick around get to, those guys are veterans those guys have paid the dues those guys are in their in their late prime they have more than a year and a half of time in there and you know you hear reports that he got um test done on three different parts of his body um to me that is like we're searching for something so yeah. that we can say that the team should have put him on the il and didn't and that's why you can't pitch once you go to buffalo because you're trying to maintain that i'm hurt i should be on the major league il accumulating service time so i can get to super two right it's just not a great way to frame your season where what they needed you to do what your teammates needed you to do what your franchise needed you to do was yeah. go to AAA and work your stuff out and be a good teammate and come up and help. And he didn't do that. And there's probably more to this. I assume there is, but that's how you can read between the lines is, is this is somebody that saw veterans getting treated one way and thought, you know, I should, I was a Cy Young finalist. I did everything they did when, you know, in reality, he's a 2019 draft pick, didn't play in the minors in 2020 because they didn't have minors basically nearly went straight from the draft to the majors and succeeded right away didn't really have the like you know it, it's got to be hard to have a teammate like chris bassett who came back from getting sculled with a line drive and had to fight back from that from kevin gosman who is a great pitcher but certainly wasn't an, a, a cy young candidate when he was in baltimore certainly wasn't a cy young candidate when he signed a two-year deal in san francisco for dirt money he's those are guys that grinded those are guys that went up and down you you have david schneider on your team a non-prospect you have ernie clement on your team a, a journeyman guy in his late 20s that has had to prove it and has had to grind i can't imagine those guys were thrilled that the 24 year old who's only ever had success was like, I don't want to go down. I don't have to, I don't deserve to, yeah. um, that doesn't sit well. And, and to me, you know, not to put words in any of those guys mouths. I don't talk to those guys. I don't know those guys. I'm not okay. saying that's what they said, but it's very easy for me to draw a line as somebody who has worked any job ever. And just sort of, you look at it and you go, well, all of us, every single player here is, has been accountable in that way. And it's, it's, you know, telling to me again that he wasn't part of the postseason bench he wasn't part of the dugout he wasn't there clapping he wasn't there cheering he disappeared uh after that after that send down and uh disappointing because geez you talk about big holes to fill in big pieces like they have a great young core except the pitchers there's no that all those pitchers are are 30 plus or entering it and he is supposed to be the bridge guy and right now he is not and if he's even back with the team next year we don't know but how can you even can you function going into this offseason as he's our fifth rotation guy? And if not, then do you have to go sign a guy? And if you go sign a guy, is that going to go over well? And if you don't sign a guy, is he going to be a major league pitcher next year? And if he's not, who the heck's the fifth starter? He's it's really and I think not that, you know, this is indicative of the whole thing and every single one of these things is the same problem, but it does sort of take you back a little bit to like, do we know where the buck stops with any of this stuff? 
right? Do we know who actually is the one that needs to say to Vlad, hey, you need to do X and Y? The one is who says to Alec Manoa, hey, we're doing this and you have to deal with it. Like, I wonder a little bit if the culture here is caught up with them. If they if they had a plan and it maybe it accelerated a year before they thought it would, and then things got really weird in 2020 and 2021, and now all of a sudden we're at the tail end of it and they're like, wait, we skipped a year and a half. And the culture of like collaboration and the culture of this, it's a big group has sort of caught up with them now. And all these guys are looking around and being like, who's in charge? Like what, who's, who's laying down punitive damages? Who's the bad guy? Who's the good cop? Where's this all coming from? I can see that be confusing. And it certainly is confusing as a fan. I can only imagine if you're one of the guys in the dugout getting information, not really, really being sure where it's coming from and who's laying it down. Okay. I want to take a quick break and then we'll come back for a short segment. I have, I have a question about John Schneider and obviously his future with the club. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, John Schneider, uh, my question, and I'll send it to Sean first. How, how do the Jays bring back John Schneider after being completely thrown under the bus? It's like, hey, here are the knives in your back, but take them out before the season <laughs> starts. And Ross Atkins did say, after he blamed him for the Burrios thing, don't worry, though, he's coming back. How do you bring him back? That's the first part of my question. Second part, how much trust will the players have in this guy, knowing that maybe some of his decision, decisions aren't his? Wow. Uh, that's that's tough. I, I mean, I, I'm not a Schneider guy personally, um, so I probably wouldn't have brought him back. Um, but again, there doesn't appear to be any accountability anywhere on this team. Um, I think he still has the team. Like, I think they still believe in him as the manager um, from like a clubhouse, like respect clubhouse, you know, friend vibe. Um, I don't know if they, I mean, I, I'm speculating. I don't know if they view him as really like the leader. I don't know who they see as the leader. Could be Adkins, could be Mattingly. Uh, I don't I know. I hope they don't see Adkins as the leader. Yeah. I don't know what goes on in the clubhouse. Right. I don't know. But like, I think like you could see the way like Brios came over to him and hugged him after and, and like they chatted about the, him getting pulled early yeah. and it, and everybody like they high five him when they, they score runs. They, they, I mean, and again, that's baseball culture. That's not just Schneider, but I do think that there's a, a, a level of mutual respect there between the team and Schneider. I don't know why Atkins would wanted to bring him back. I guess it's because they extended him and it was their decision to extend him. So they're just sort of, if they fire him, they're sort of accountable for like, oh, we made a bad decision. Even though I feel like, and we didn't touch on it in the last thing, but uh, there's people waiting in the wings. Mattingly could easily take over as, as the manager. And, you know, James Click could take over for Atkins, really, right? So, like, there are people here that if, if Shapiro wanted to clean house, there's people that could step into roles that have done it before. Um, but I, I don't know why it didn't happen. I don't know why John Schneider is still with the team. <laughs> But I do think that the team, like the the actual players, still believe in John Schneider. Do you agree with that, Zeus? <sighs> it's a tough it, one. Right? No, it's deep, a tough one. Deep breath, from I agree, Zeus. I agree, with, I agree with parts of it. Um, 
You know, if it was like one of them, one of them can't come back, Atkins or Schneider, I would, I would be bringing back Atkins and not Schneider. Personally, mm-hmm. I know that's not the situation, but um, there's always seems to be tactical things in big games. It always seems to be one little thing here and there. And, and again, not laying the uh, Barrios thing at his feet because, man, the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, it's not even that big of a deal. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it honestly isn't that big of a Like every other playoff team, I think, did this at some point in the playoffs. It just so happened that like the Jays did it first and, and we watched them the hardest. And, that, and that's kind of what I'm um, saying, Zubes. Like why even – Atkins could have killed that right away. Yeah, I know. The decision was made. And it happened. It happened to Snell. Like, and we move forward. For and you could have just said, listen, that decision did not cost us the wild card. It didn't. I it mean, was like, more than that. Like you said, But Atkins offense. decided not to shut that down. He decided to stab John Schneider in the back and put all the blame on him and now tells him to come back. And if you're John Schneider, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, this is your job. You don't want to burn any bridges because you never know where Atkins or Shapiro is going to be in baseball. So you don't want to burn that bridge. So now you're in this position where, wow, I don't think my GM – or my president has my back, and I don't even know if the players trust me anymore. Yeah, the, the players thing is obviously going to be where it comes down to, and what my mind keeps running through is there's sort of two ways to frame the same conversation with John Schneider. There's, there's much was made when he got the job was like he was with these guys in Double A, and he was with these guys in Triple A, and he's been with these guys all the way up. And that is true, and there is absolutely two ways to take that. Number one is he really knows what makes these guys tick, and they respect him and play for them. And number two is maybe they're friggin' sick of hearing from this guy. Maybe maybe these guys have he's been their only coach for the entire time they've done anything, and somebody else needs to come in here and be like, I don't care what you were like at 19. You're an adult, and we're on a baseball team, and you need to hit, and you need to run, and you need to pay attention. Um, it's hard to say without being in there. I'm not uh, the biggest fan but I also know that like it's sort of a weird it's sort of a weird job and that this was part of the, the the really weird exit that Charlie had. There was the really weird buzz of like, well, Schneider sort of makes the decisions anyway, and it's sort of a collaborative thing, and it's sort of like not a, the most empowered manager in the league. And it's like good luck having great candidates apply for that job. Like good luck having guys line up to not make decisions or line up to be the guy, as you point out, who gets in trouble when things go wrong and then gets no credit when things go right. Like it's not the easiest thing in the world to canvas and and put jobs out there for. I think there probably is a little bit of buyer's regret right now that they were so uh, defensive after that 8-1 collapse a year ago that they were like, we're going to make sure that everyone feels secure and everyone feels safe and we're bringing back John. We're not even going to search for a new manager. I think there's probably some sticker uh, remorse. I think they probably, if they could, would do that over again and would say, let's at least look. Let's at least try. I think they I think they gave Snyder the extension before the postseason press conferences even happened. Yeah. Or maybe before the post. Was it even before the postseason started? He had the great end of the season and then they Anyway, it was very soon. Like, it was very, very quick. Uh, he had a nice little back half of the season run, and then they they extended him. And I, I think they would do it over again if they could. I do think part of it is the optics of, like, do we want three managers in three years? Probably not. But we're past that. Again, we're past that point with this team. This is the reality. This is why it's everyone's harder on them this year than they were last year and everyone's harder on them last year than the year before that. You're supposed to. It's supposed to be improving, and it's supposed to be showing signs of positive... Uh, steps and what we've gotten is less direction and less clarity and less time to figure it out. So I think this is all symptomatic of the same thing: is that the walls are closing in a little bit on this time frame and on this core, 
and you're starting to look at you know if these guys can't get it done then then what are we even doing here and who's even in charge so um all that is to say i, I it would have if, if you had to make a change it would have been the mate with the one i make but you know there's no there's no tradition like the fire the manager tradition it is the first lever you pull a lot of the time it is and listen i don't think he should stay i'm not a big john schneider guy at all i thought you know i'll go back to the brio thing i know we keep you know bringing it up but in game, he was the one making that decision. Yeah. He could have, like I mentioned before, looked at Brios and said, analytics is telling me to do this. And I know we have this plan. You're dealing right now. I'm, I trust in you. I'm going to keep you in the game. And that's where that whole trust factor goes. And I'll even go back to earlier in the season, the double mountain visit to Manoa, where he forgot that he went out there twice and he had to pull him. Yeah. I know that's one little thing, but it's a big thing at the same time. Yeah, there's a lot of things. And, and that can't happen with this type of organization. Yeah, you, you saw even earlier in the year when he, he pulled Brios and Kikuchi a couple of times and they were fired up coming off the mound. Like, what are you doing pulling me? And, and again, the analytics were telling him analytics. that that was the right thing to do, right? It's just when it's it's the he's, – he's a young, inexperienced manager and he'll get the feel for the game, I think, as he as – he, you know, he's a young guy. As he gets more experience, I think he'll he'll find the the nuances. Maybe he'll learn how to challenge video reviews better. Maybe they'll find a new video review guy because <laughs> it's not just on Schneider. Oh, that guy's the worst. I know there's no real like big penalty for you know losing your challenge. So I get why why not just challenge it. But yeah, I did. But we always you know focus on and and what Zub says is right. I think you focus on you see it more when the manager does something bad more than when. Everything's just going okay, right? Of course, yeah. So, Winning cures everything. Let's uh, 100%. We, there's no conversations being had right now if they're playing the Houston Astros. Oh, it's man. just frustrating watching the Astros play the Twins because it's like all you got to do is score a couple runs and you could beat the Twins. Like, it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. It's not that hard. Blue Jays, it's not that hard. <laughs> but I'll go back to, listen, John, John Heyman tweeted something today. He goes, MLB playoffs, teams with 92-plus wins are 1-12. Teams with fewer than 92, 12-1. So what the hell do we know about baseball anyway? <laughs> right, Soups? What's it matter? What's who, 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 knows? who knows? I love you, buddy. Thanks for jumping on today. My pleasure, fellas. Anytime. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, it's time to plan the rest of Lionel Messi's career with Spanish football expert of Room 442, Sarah Peraria. All right, so let's start um, in October, this month. Right, so his upcoming schedule at the moment, he's got two games with Argentina, one against Paraguay, one against Peru in Peru. That's on the 18th of October. On the 19th, you got Inter Miami's final home match against Charlotte on the 22nd. It's the final game of the season away to Charlotte. So, first question on uh, the route of planning the rest of his career: Should he even play the final two matches in MLS this season, considering Inter Miami have nothing to play for? They they are out of the playoffs. He'll probably play a bit of the one at home, I think, just to pay some tribute to his fans and make them happy and whatnot. I don't yeah, that's a good call, right? I guess Beckham and the rest of them would want him yeah. to make an appearance, final home game. Um, 
I don't think he'll play the full game. And uh, to Charlotte fans, I'm really sorry, but I don't think he's playing that game at <laughs> yeah. all. Like, there's, n- I don't even think he's traveling for that game, if I'm being honest. Well, listen, it's a lot of football, right? And yeah. he's doubtful to start either of those games for Argentina. He'll play, yeah. but doubtful to start. And then, listen, if the, the Peru game is ending on the 18th, you got to fly from Peru back to Miami to play on the 19th. Maybe there's a cameo at the end of the match. Like That's what I'm thinking. Last 10 minutes, he comes on, a couple yeah. of touches here and there. Clap, 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 clap. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's also something else that's going on in October. Oh. On the 30th, oh, yeah. it's called the Ballon d'Or ceremony, oh. which he is favored to win. In case uh, you're listening, you don't know what the Ballon d'Or is. The award is an annual football award for the best player over the previous year. And at the moment, Lionel Messi, according to the betting experts, and many football, I would say, quote unquote, experts around the world, is the favorite to win his eighth, which is incredible that he's in line to win an eighth one at 36 years old. Um, so over the past year, obviously, he won the World Cup, best player at the World Cup. Domestically with PSG wasn't great, Mm-mm. but the World Cup holds so much weight, mm-hmm. right, in one year, and it's him. It's almost like it's destined to be that he's going to win this thing over Erling Holland. Yeah, I mean, and I think he should. You know how I feel. It's like he carried a team to win a World Cup. Like it, that's that's what it's going to be based on, and it should be. And we have to remember, even though his time at PSG for Messi wasn't good, it was not great. No. It wasn't bad for your average football player. He was still up there for some of the most goals, and I think top assists in Liga in 2022, yeah, 23. Yeah. But when when we talk about we talk about Blondor though, we're not talking about average player. But that's what an I mean. An average season. Like, uh, he, he's not average, and he still won the World Cup. But I'm just saying, even in his domestic league, he mm-hmm. did not do bad. So I, I think that, uh, yeah, he's going to win, and he should win, and, and that's that. <laughs> okay, so he's going to win the next Blonde Door. By the way, second favorite to win that thing is Erling Braut Holland, uh, Manchester City striker in that year. It was incredible. 52 goals in 53 games. Won a Premier League, FA Cup, and a Champions League title. Incredible year. And a year where Messi doesn't win the World Cup? Here you go, Erling Holland. Right? It's your it's your golden ball. Mbappe might have a say in there, but let's be real, it's probably Messi. So at 36 years old, Messi's gonna win his eighth Ballon d'Or, which is just incredible. Let's move on to November. A couple more qualifiers uh, for Argentina: one against Uruguay, one against Brazil. I should mention it's World Cup qualifiers. Those are insane. Yeah, very big matches. The first one against Uruguay is at home, and then away to Brazil. Then in that same month, there's friendlies in Asia. Asia, excuse me, with Inter Miami. Moving on to December, it's expected he's going to take a month's holiday. So let's just say that he does. Like any other footballer at the end of a long club season, he's got a lot of miles in his legs. Yeah. You need that time off. You want to be with what your family? Have you even heard of a footballer taking five weeks off? Like it's not, a long time. Not in this, in this climate. But he anymore. needs it, right? I would say he that he needs it. it. So sure. let's say that happens. Come January, this is where things get interesting. The Major League Soccer preseason is expected to start, but also... The January transfer window opens up from January 1st to February 1st. And uh, the transfer window, for those that don't know, it's just a short period in a football season where players can be sold, Mm -hmm. bought, and sent on loan. So with all the rumors around Messi, uh, the MLS season ending, him wanting to play in the Copa America and play more football, there's rumors that potentially he could be loaned out in January to a team. Yeah. So should if you're Messi... Do you stick with Inter Miami and and play in the preseason, or do you go on loan in January to a club team that isn't Inter Miami, the only, Barcelona, whoever the case may be? The only reason I can potentially see him staying with Inter Miami is one, he's older. 
He's not, you know, the 29-year-old Messi that can literally do it all, even though he's doing it all. But, you know, like you said, there's not as much gas in the tank. And the Copa America is in the United States. Yeah. So Argentina trains in the United States, right? So I think in terms of being climatized, I think this is going to be his last major tournament for his national side. Oh, really? That to me, yeah, I think so. That to me is one major reason why it's like if I were to let's say go to a team like Barcelona, even though higher level higher higher level football, right. way better like training facilities and all that, getting to see your favorite team in the world and properly say goodbye to your fans, there is something in the back of my mind that makes me think that he might just stay because he will already be so prepared for that Copa America and that's kind of his focus because regardless of what he does if he were to go back to Barcelona he's won everything with Barcelona like I don't know like and I think at this point now he just wants to like close it off with his nationals I mean I guess he's won everything with Argentina now too but that is like a soft spot for him I don't know like does that does that make sense yeah I don't know I mean listen if he goes on loan in January it'd only be for a month Right, so he'd have to be sent to a team January first. He would be back at the end of the European transfer window, or the end of the European season, and like. Gym. I mean, you could do that, but if you're if you're in Miami, MLS season starts in February. Do you want him missing the beginning of the season? I mean, if you're in Miami, you don't. No, but that that's what I'm saying. Because like we saw what happened this season, like even Messi wasn't able to dig that atrocity of a team like out from where they were, right? I mean, he did a pretty good job. He did I mean, a really good job. Inter Miami had no business winning League's Cup. No, for And it was sure. because but of him. Even Messi couldn't like get him to get them to the playoffs. Yeah, right? it was I mean, almost granted, too far he, gone he at that point. A few games. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like Inter Miami definitely don't want him going anywhere. So you're saying basically he could go to let's say Barcelona for like a month. Just have yeah. some fun, hang with the boys, say goodbye to his fans. But, like but play, to, to play, right? Because there is downtime in the MLS offseason. Yeah. And Henri did this. Yeah. When he, he, he went on loan when he was at New York Red Bull in MLS, went to Arsenal, and I think he debuted in an FA Cup match and scored off the bench or something and played that month and there. And did it too. Yeah, he stayed a bit longer though. And then yeah, Beckham he, wanted to stay. He's like, uh, I don't know if I want to come back to Los Angeles. Yeah. I want to stay here. Messi could do that too. Messi be like, mm. I don't know. See, I don't see it happening because I think Messi has, well, you know, maybe he doesn't have a lot more at stake than Beckham did because he still has, I think, uh, potential for ownership in the future. Mm-hmm. He's getting revenue from Apple. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Apple TV. Yeah. The subscriptions. The revenue sharing for shirts and stuff. So yeah. there's a lot at stake for Messi. So. I, I don't think he moves. I would like him to move. I'd like him to go somewhere in January, especially in Europe, and maybe play for Barca or any other team. Just for one month, Mixing go out and play. a Champions League match. I would love February. to see that. Yeah, playing the Champions because League again. The Champions League comes back in like the second week of February. February, so yeah. He exactly. So it wouldn't even happen. Okay, so let's say he sticks with Inter Miami. And you mentioned it's a Copa America year, which is in 2024. And for those that don't know, Copa America is an international football tournament with just South American teams. But invitations to North American teams uh, and even Asian teams, right? Yeah, Qatar has been in a Japan. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's going down 2024 in the United States of America, and all signs are pointing towards Messi being there. Yeah. This is why I kind of go back to the, the loan thing in January. Maybe he should, just to, to kind of keep sharp. I mean, that's kind of stupid saying because he's going to play in MLS from February up until June when, when the tournament starts. So he'll be match fit by the time Copa America comes he'll around. He'll be match fit, but it's not the same level of football, and we know Does that, it matter? Right? Does it, for him? Maybe not for him, but I don't know. I think there's... Because like, what hasn't he seen in his career? Yeah, I guess that's true. But, like, isn't it like you want to maintain it? Like, it, you haven't played in, let's say, like, that level, and 
you know, a year and then you're getting to come back to Copa America, like it probably would be good for him just to check back in. But at the same time, like imagine he went to, let's say Barcelona and played against, you know, Atletico Madrid, mm. a massive game and then got injured. You know what I mean? Like he I think could get injured is, in MLS as well. He though. could, but they're too slow. Like the thing is, is like <laughs> it's a way more aggressive league. But like Messi's thinking like seventeen times, like seventeen steps ahead of these guys for a lot of it. Knock on wood, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I just also like that would tarnish like that idea of that lone move for so many people in the future too. Like I think like if he if he got injured at Inter Miami, it'd be bad. But if he got injured, loaned out to another team, that would be like. You should have just stayed. You know, you I know. already hear that narrative going. But I honestly think it makes so much sense for him to just go to Barcelona, even for a month, like you're saying, get to do his proper goodbye to all of the fans that he never got, get to say goodbye to whoever, who, whatever teammates are still there that he's played with, the club, the staff, whatever, the city. I mean, they still own property there. So, I mean, I'm sure they'll be going back. But it would just be like, so beautiful like the chapter could close properly because it was kind of just ripped out of the book mm -hmm. when he went like it wasn't it wasn't good for football but then him going again would be like it would be like might, cutting open the wood it would but he might still be able to go back there later on in his career and that's what we'll get to so okay. let's say he's staying in mls gonna play copa america obviously uh right after the mls season his contract with into miami he signed a two and a half year deal which will bring him up until i think the end of 2025 with an option to extend another 12 months. He'll be 38 when that contract ends. Mm. Okay, so here's the next step, right? Do you re-up another 12 months with Inter Miami? Do you move to, let's say, Barcelona with with maybe your eyes on the 2026 World Cup? I know by the time that, that World Cup comes around, he'll be 39 years old. You know, I mean, but it's not unprecedented. It's not unheard of, yeah. No, we. How old was Ebro when he, he just retired? Forty-one. Forty-one. Forty. Yeah, I mean, so listen, and I feel like Messi plays in a way that he preserves his. He preserves his body much more than than a player like Zlatan because yeah. Messi, you know, he gets people give him stick. A lot of people don't really understand football for not running as much, but that means nothing. He's yeah. the only guy who can kind of do that. He waits and waits, finds space, and then when he gets the ball, magic happens. Yeah, but then when he runs, he's past your That's what I'm saying. Already, okay, right? so let's say the, the contract comes up. He doesn't want to re-up with Inter-Miami. Mm -hmm. What do you do for Leo Messi? Are you retiring, or are you going to go play football somewhere else? If I'm Leo Messi and I don't go to Barcelona in this loan window coming up this year, January 2024, I honestly think you have to go back one season, finish the career at Barcelona, and do it properly like yeah he's not gonna play every game that's fine he doesn't need to but just finish it the way you started it with the club that you love the club that you've played for like 20 plus years like it just would be for football i think like we all need... for you for you <laughs> you don't care about football no. for you don't isn't that such you a nice love... story oh, it's a, it's a fantastic so. story and also like messi's already proven to be like a little bit different than some of these players like he decided to go to inner miami like instead of saudi arabia like money is there either way but he's kind of making these different moves where it doesn't seem to be following the path necessarily so so like him going back to his old club, like I could see it. Like we, we don't really expect that from like a lot of players these days. But I can't really see him going back to New Wells Boys because it from my understanding, when Messi's in Argentina, it's an absolute nightmare. It's just chaos. Like yeah. he cannot live. And it's kind of like that everywhere he goes, but I mean in the States it's probably the best. But 
in Barcelona, it seemed like they kind of figured something out as well. But in Argentina, whenever he's there with the national team, like people don't go to work. People line up outside. Like he, like he cannot go anywhere. So I think for his well-being and his family's well-being of just living, I don't think it makes the most sense. But I feel like don't resign. I don't think he's resigning with Miami either way. Like I who think- knows where that league will be at that time too? Who knows where well Inter Miami will be? Who's going to join? Like there's. There's rumors swirling, and I feel like they're getting real about Suarez, Luis Suarez, yeah, who's playing at Gremio Trifecta. at the moment. Him, coming Jordi, to and Luis Suarez are like best friends. Into Miami, so if you're messy and you can bring your friends in to play with, who can still play at a high level, because Suarez can. Your friends, it's like coming, knocking on the door. Well, like can can Luis Bus- come out to play? Yeah, exactly. Busquets and Alba, right? <laughs> They yeah. joined him. There's no way they would be... Maybe I'm wrong by saying this. This is just my take. But I don't think Busquets or Alba would be going to MLS if Messi wasn't there. Absolutely not. But Same then, thing with Suarez. But Messi's deal ends in 2025. Yeah. Right. So we still, like... Suarez could come no for the start of this MLS season coming up yes. next year. Yeah. And they could all play one year together. And honestly... A full season, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's enough for most of them. Like, and Inter-Miami are in the... The uh, the Champions League as well, not the European Champions League. Yeah. So yeah. and that one that's year, a big trophy. But one year altogether, like that could be enough. Like Luis Suarez could literally come play for a year and be fine, and then that could be it. Like okay. they don't need yeah. to be like planning years ahead in my I eyes. I kind of going back, but yeah. So after his contract is over, I think I don't think he's going to re up with Inter Miami. That's just no my gut way. feeling. I do wholeheartedly believe he's going back to Barcelona. <laughs> I know. I just it just makes so much sense. I feel like this guy's career and his life is a complete fairy tale and it needs a fairy tale ending. Like if I get goosebumps thinking about this past World Cup and what we got to see mm-hmm. him do. No one was expecting that. It was Messi's last shot to win a World Cup with Argentina yeah. because no one was going to give him that that throne at the top of football, at least that throne at the top of Argentinian football. Until he won a World Cup. Yeah. And so the way it happened, the final game was incredible. You had Messi and Mbappe doing their thing, and Messi obviously comes out on top. So I do believe he'll go back to Barcelona. In what capacity, I don't know. Maybe it's only six months. Mm -hmm. Maybe it is for a full season, but like you mentioned, he doesn't play the majority of games. I mean, at 39 years old, it would be pretty difficult. Okay, to the next thing. 2026 World Cup. Let's say he does go to Barcelona, and he's playing for a European team, and he's still at somewhat of a level where he can help a team. Will he be playing at the 2026 World Cup? And he hasn't shot that idea down yet, by the way. I don't think so. I've always said this to you guys. Messi is the kind of player that if he cannot deliver for his team, he will no longer play. We see so many times footballers that kind of just like don't want to let it go. And I get that. That must be the most difficult thing to do is kind of ending your football career. But I think Messi is very aware that once he cannot give 100% to Argentina, he is not going to play with that team because he's taking a spot from the younger generation and he's not not helping them in any way. So I also genuinely think that if Argentina win the Copa America this year, that is the perfect way to go out. A little sandwich action, Copa World Cup Euro. I mean, Copa sandwich action. <laughs> no, but do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he doesn't, he doesn't need to win anything else, right? He could retire today, and there's there's nothing that this guy hasn't won. But he's so close, and he's still playing that I think it makes sense. And Argentina are the coming off of a huge win of the World Cup, so I think it would just be like the perfect fairy tale ending for him with Argentina. Do your thing with Inter Miami and then go to Barca, like you're saying, and then finish his club career there. But I can't, 
I honestly, like, it breaks my heart, but I really don't think we're going to see Messi in another World Cup. How can you compete with what this guy just did? Like, if he's also smart, he's like, it's like when you're, you're when you gamble, when to pull out because you know you've won and, like, you're on the hot streak and you can't do better than that, man. No, that I mean, look what he, magic. what he might end up doing here, right? No, 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 don't you hold, do Hold on, wait, I'm just saying. He just won the World Cup and then he goes to MLS, takes over the United States, wins the League Cup with Inter Miami, who are one of, or used to be one of the worst teams in MLS. He pulls that team together to win that. And then now he's going to win his eighth Bondor, most likely, and then potentially wrap that up with with another Copa America. Like, no one is doing this. No, but that's what I mean. Like, you got to end on the high because I, I... But isn't the high the World Cup? Isn't that the high? How much higher can you get? But because of where the World Cup fell, because it was in Qatar and it was like in the middle of winter. Are you dismissing that? Oh, boy. I don't know. But I, I just think it was too close. And what do you he mean was, too close? Like, the World Cup and this Copa America were like a year and a half versus two years apart. And he had just his deal with PSG was coming to an end. So I think there were so many factors of like, where are you going to play? Okay, once you decide where you're going to play, then you're a year out from the Copa America. Mm-hmm. So now he's in Miami. Coincidentally, now Argentina are building that training ground there. So like, there were too many factors that like, it. he just wasn't done. Like, yes, what you're saying, but we saw what this guy is doing still. Like, there's still gas in the tank. My whole thing is when the gas runs out, he will be the first one to know. And For he, sure. I just feel like he's the type of guy where the gas just never runs out. Honestly, it's my it's my dream. It's my dream in life that I can't even talk about the day Messi is going to retire. Like, I will not be okay. When he left Barcelona, I was <laughs> sobbing. Like, it was sad. I mean, listen, I, I'm not... He was I, I have sobbing. no interest in, in Barcelona. Or what, I, I'm not a fan of the club or anything, but it's sad to see that. You, you never wanted that to happen. The thing is, though, as well, is like, at least for me, thinking about like some of the great footballers, okay, obviously, like, Pelé and Maradona were like ahead of our time, but yeah. players like Zizou, Ronaldinho, like, Stevie G, when they retired, I was obviously very into football but I was still younger that I didn't really have as much like mm. emotional kind of connection that for I think our generation it Ronaldo is like Messi. Ronaldo Messi of course um I mean even seeing other players now like we obviously heard Eden Hazard is retiring I mean I don't really have much connection with him but like I don't think I've gone through like someone so serious retiring I mean the closest would probably be like David Villa because of what he did for Spain mm-hmm. but like this is gonna be like it's gonna hit the world i think so i thought listen we just watched the beckham doc and i remember watching beckham's last game when he played for psg and again i'm not a united fan i'm not a big beckham guy but i was emotional watching him come off the pitch it's the end of an era and messi or ronaldo i mean there's levels to this game in football and those two guys are why am i getting sad you are getting sad right now you're about to start crying oh i mean football God. is I'm such like an emotional thing Messi walking off the pitch for the like the last time and i'm like i i'm not ready well your last image could possibly be him walking off an mls pitch right at See, the end of his contract and that sucks you, you literally are crying right now <laughs> what's going on Oh my goodness. It's a combination of like laughing. I want to cry. cry. I don't even know why I want to cry, man. <laughs> I also had joined Ronaldo in Saudi, but by that time comes around, who knows if Ronaldo no will be way. in Saudi? Who knows if the Saudi league will still exist? Yeah, that's they true. They probably will. They want a World Cup, so. Yeah. They want one. I mean, I think he already dismissed Saudi, though, and he chose Inter Miami that, like, I can't see him now, like, retracting and going no, back. Like, going into Miami, 
I, earlier made no sense to me going to MLS. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not. But going to MLS, made, I'm like, why would he go to MLS? And now watching it and seeing everything unfold, yeah. it was the perfect decision for him. No, it was. But I think you're so right. Like what you just said, if Messi ends his career walking off an MLS pitch, like I think like not just like the diehard Messi fans like myself, but the football fans will kind of be like, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, he has to do it somewhere else, and there's no other place. Like, he walks off the pitch, like and it's the last game of MLS season, and they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah, and he's, like, shaking hands with, like, like, Jonathan Taylor, and you're just like, what is this? <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, is that his name? Robert Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> we love Messi so much in Inch Miami. We don't know his teammate's name, though. So, <laughs> all right, so we figured it all out. Oh. Oh we God. figured out Messi's right, career. <laughs> At the end of his contract with Inter Miami, he's going to go to Barcelona and wrap up his career, and he won't be playing at the World Cup? I don't think so. I think this is going to be it for him. I think 2026 is a long way to go. That one's in Canada, Mexico, and the United States, which would be nice to see him. So then he just stays at 39 years old. He, what if he just stays at Inter Miami because it's in the United... Like, see, that was a whole road we didn't even take. Yeah. I mean, there's always more to, you know, footballers going to certain places. Like, the whole Neymar situation. Like, well, Neymar was in... Neymar really played for up. PSG, who was owned essentially owned by Qatar. They yeah. wanted a World Cup, got a World Cup. He goes now to Saudi Arabia to play. Might be the poster boy for them trying to get a World Cup in Saudi Arabia. Although apparently he hates his life. Who knows? I, I just <laughs> sometimes I think think too much about these things. I'm like, yeah. there's a reason why Messi's in the United States. It's because they have the Copa America and the World Cup, right? I on uh, yeah. I mean, like it makes sense, but I, I'm sticking to our original our original plan for okay. Messi. <laughs> And that he won't be in the 2026 World Cup. He will say farewell to Argentina when they lift the trophy this summer in the U.S. And then he will come back to Barcelona. <laughs> okay, to recap, he's going to win his eighth Ballon d'Or at the end of October. He's going to stay into Miami this January. Mes uh, Suarez is going to join him. Oh, yeah. Right? They're probably going to win the Champions League. And then at the end of his contract, he's going to Barcelona to wrap up his career. Yes. Fairy tale ending. Yes. And Sarah Pryor is going to be very happy. Yes. And that's how you plan Lionel Messi's career. All right, that's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening to Homestand Sports. Big shout out to Sarah Peraria, the Zoobs, and Sean McCormick for jumping on. It was a great show. Moving forward, just so you know, every Monday we'll be dropping new episodes of the Homestand Sports podcast. For you audio listeners, you can listen to them anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Music, Amazon Music and Spotify are places you can get it. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast as well. For you video watchers, you can head over to the Homestand Sports YouTube. We'll be dropping every single episode there uh, that we do of the Homestand Sports. You can see all of our beautiful faces when we do the show. But that's it for me, and that's it for the Homestand Sports podcast today. I'm Albert Vartanian, and you've been watching and listening to Homestand Sports. <laughs>